Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. It's a pleasure to be before you again. (laughs) Uh, Before we get started in tonight's teaching, part two of a call to worship, I just want to do a quick refresher of what we did last week. Uh, We started out by giving the definition and showing the difference between praise and worship. And we said that praise... We gave three different definitions that meant to commend, to express approval, and glorify. And we finished out that section on glorifying by looking at, in depth, Psalm 103. And that scripture was packed with all kinds of praiseworthy benefits, amen, of knowing God and not just knowing about him. I actually had someone tell me the very next day, they called the church and said, Minister Wendy, I just want you to know I have been meditating on Psalm 103. I was like, praise God. (laughs) So that's a good scripture for us to look at daily, actually. And then we gave the characteristics of praise. We said, first, praise First thing we say is that praise puts God in first place. It causes us to take our attention and our focus off of ourselves and look at God and who, who he is. And then we talked about praise flowing from our, out of our friendship with God. You know, when you know somebody really well, it's easy to praise them. If you don't know them well, then your praise will not be sincere. Amen. And then we said praise is a conscious choice. So it's a choice of our will, amen? And we have to will to praise God. And we have the ability to do that. We also did a refresher on the definition of worship. We gave two words. It was a Hebrew word, which is shakah, and then the Greek word, proskuneo. And I also gave you the practical definition Number one, it's a God-given instinct. It's the reason he set us free, and it's our response to the revelation of who he is. And then we've closed by talking about how we can create an atmosphere of worship. That is something that we have the ability to do, create an atmosphere of worship. So I gave you three main essentials to building an atmosphere of worship. The first one was godly habits. And godly habits requires consistent behavior, meaning our view of God, the way we view life and the things of God, that has to be consistent. We also talked about being uh, building wisely or building foolishly. If you're going to build wisely, then your conduct has to be consistent. 
meaning your words must line up with what you do, your actions and your words. They must line up. And then we talked about we need to understand that the builder, who is Jesus, is greater than the building itself. And those essentials mostly talk, uh, focused in on us as individuals. But the second essential was building a corporate environment for a habitation of God in the spirit. We as a body of believers, if we're going to create an atmosphere of worship, we must first be unified, we must be supportive, and we must be equipped with the tools that when they're put together and they fit together, they're going to bring God the glory that he deserves. Amen? And then lastly, we talked about building an environment of worship, meaning we, first we have to see ourselves as a heavenly tabernacle of worship. We have to see ourselves as such. And when we do that, we can begin to see the earth as an environment of worship. We talked about that day when we will see the earth shouting for joy to God, shouting joyfully to God, all the earth, making the joyful praises of God. Amen? And that's what we want to experience. And so tonight, we're going to look at the topic of abiding in his presence, abiding in his presence. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 3, and we're going to read through verse 10. And this is just basically um, what I call my foundational scripture for this teaching tonight. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're starting at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. Now that scripture started out by talk saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that's the part we're going to really, really focus in on. In order to be a true worshiper of God, it's obvious that we need to be a child of God, right? And because we have been given the instinct to worship him, 
everyone is going to worship something or somebody. Now, who or what you worship is going to depend on who you're connected to. So if you're connected to God, then you're going to worship God. But if you're connected to the world and its fleshly desires and pleasures of life, then that's what you're going to worship. But God has desired from the very, very beginning to dwell with his people in a very real, real way, a very manifested way. In Genesis 3, 8, 9, it says that God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And then the Lord called to the man and he said, where are you? Where are you? We need to understand something. God had a wonderful, awesome plan for his people. He desired to walk around in the garden on a daily basis, fellowshipping with his people, communing with them all the time. But, here comes the but, but man fell and the plan was ruined. Genesis 3 and 8 also says that they hid from the presence of the Lord. They hid from the presence of the Lord. This, I can only imagine, must have broke God's heart. But the sad thing is, is that we're still doing that today. We're breaking his heart. We're doing things wrong, and then we try to hide from God. But, of course, we know we really can't, right? We can't hide from God. God, in his grace and mercy, praised Jesus. He restored man back to himself. Genesis 3.15 states that from the woman's offspring, God would bring forth a Savior, and only the Savior could bring us back into his glorious presence. So, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for the child of God? It means his children are always abiding in his presence. And that's the case whether we feel like it or not. That's the case regardless of whether we're even consciously aware of it. He is an omnipresent God, correct? He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. So what we need to do, we need to practice his presence. We need to practice his presence. God is saying to his people, I want you to know that you are never alone. You always have a companion by your side. I want you to discover, I want you to experience, I want you to celebrate my presence daily. So saints of God, we really need to get this. We really need to embrace this truth. The reality is this. If we were truly embracing, practicing God's presence, we as believers wouldn't do what we do. We wouldn't say what we say. We wouldn't think what we think. Sometimes you can't tell us any different from the people in the world. And that's not a good testimony. 
When we don't practice the presence of God, it hinders us from tapping into the benefits of being in his presence. And the great thing is this. If we are continually in God's presence, then guess what? That means his blessings are continual as well. Right? See, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And so we want to be able to benefit from those blessings. Amen? So tonight, that's what we're going to really look at. We're going to look at the blessings of being in the presence of God. And I have only 10. Because <laughs> I don't have all night, as I've been reminded several times today. <laughs> I'm not going to say who reminded me. But we're going to get out of here on time. <laughs> so let's get started. We have 10 blessings of being in the presence of God. Number one, a faithful friend. Faithful friend. Proverbs 18.24, it says, A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see... I think we can all agree that we were created to thrive on companionship. So it's great to know that a blessing of being in the presence of God is that we gain divine companionship. You see, no matter how deep some of our relationships are, because they're human relationships, they're just not enough. Psalm 121, 3 and 4 tells us, it assures us, that our divine friend is always available to us. He who watches over you will not slumber nor sleep. Hallelujah. You see, your human friends, they'll not only fall asleep on you, <laughs> but some of them will actually leave you. And the other thing we need to understand is that they're leaving us it may not always be because they want to, but it may be because they have no choice. You see, people can't always be there for us. It's virtually impossible. So it's great to know that a blessing of abiding in God's presence is that we have a faithful friend. That's number one. Number two, we have rest or peace. They're used inter interchangeably. Exodus 33, 12 through 14 says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Right here, what we need to see is that the Lord was charging Moses to go forth with the nation of Israel. 
But unfortunately, uh, Moses got very uptight. <laughs> and he was a little concerned about who was going, how he was going to teach the people the ways of God, and whether he would be able to even stand, stay in right relationship with him. But God responded in four, verse 14 by saying, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses needed to know that the presence of God would give him peace, that there was no need for him to worry. So I say to you, calm down. <laughs> don't worry and don't be anxious because Philippians 4, 6, it tells us what? Don't be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. So that's indeed a blessing of being in God's presence, that we can find rest and that we can find peace. Number three, refreshing. Refreshing. Acts 3 and 19. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. Of the Lord. When, the, when a sinner is told to repent, to turn away from sin, and to turn, turn towards God, I'm sure that if we were to do that in a way where we are extremely engaged in the process, that it would drain us. It would drain us. And there are times when we really do need to get before God and just let it all out and just pour out before him. And when that happens, of course, you got to be replenished. You have to be refreshed, right? Another thing we need to understand is refreshing isn't something that we refreshing is is something that we've all needed at some point because it's not always caused by sin. We need refreshing sometimes because we're just tired. We're run down. We're doing too much. <laughs> what do we call it? We call it burnout. Burnout is just from the responsibilities of perhaps just life. Life with your family, life at, on your job, even life in ministry, serving God. It can burn you out sometimes. <laughs> I think I got an amen over there. <laughs> but the good thing is we can find refreshing. When we abide in the presence of God, it's there. It's always there for us. We just got to tap in. Amen. Number four, joy. Joy. Hallelujah. Joy. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that one. Joy. Tell your neighbor, joy. Joy. Psalm 1611. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Acts 2.28 is the New Testament counterpart to that same scripture. And it says, you have made known to me the paths of life. 
you will fill me with joy in your presence. Now, with all that's occurring in the world today, the, just the daily affairs of life, just circumstances of life, we need to be constantly reminded that we have, we already have, we already possess the joy of the Lord. And that's because joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It is one of the most effective tools or characteristics that the Lord uses, I believe, to draw men unto himself. Because guess what? The world needs joy and they want joy. And they want it desperately. They really do. They may not say it, but they do. And what better way for God to use his people than to have us manifest joy in the world. So no matter what you're going through, the world will be able to see it in us. Joy should actually be like a magnet, drawing, sucking, bringing people to God. This is the, these are the things that will get them right into the kingdom. And you know, it's such a blessing to be able to talk to someone. Because I, I definitely have this one person that I don't see them often. But whenever I do, we catch up, right? And I literally, this is no joke, I literally stand amazed when they share with me some of the things that have been going on in their world. Because I look at them and I would say, you would never know. Because the joy. They have so much joy. I'm sitting there going, what? What? That? Ha what? I mean, I know they're probably sick of me. But, <laughs> but it's a blessing to be able to respond like that, actually. Because it lets me know that they know how to tap in to the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, let's tap into the joy. <laughs> the fifth blessing. A place of refuge. A place of refuge. Psalm 31.20. Psalm 31.20 says, You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. For as long as man has existed and until Jesus returns again, there are going to be times when God's people are going to have to be protected. We're going to have to be protected from the schemes and the plots of the enemy and from the accusing tongues of men. But the thing we need to understand is we cannot try to protect ourselves because sometimes what ends up happening is our actions end up being worse than the accusers because we're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to get revenge even sometimes. Our reaction should be to hide ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And let's allow him to protect us. So what does that look like? It looks like worship. It looks like praise. It looks like prayer. 
then and only then will you have a better chance of getting a clear understanding of how you should respond. See, we need to know how to act. We need to know when to act. But we won't know that unless we indeed do hide ourselves in the presence of God. And that does definitely requires us entering into seasons of just worship and praise and prayer. That's blessing number five. Let's go to blessing number six. Guidance and direction. Guidance and direction. Exodus 13, 21 and 22 reads, The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. God's presence was with the children of Israel always. Had it not been for his presence, wherever they went, they would have been overtaken because most of those other tribes and nations, they were much larger than they were. Only the presence of God could have guided them, guided their every move. This blessing also speaks to when we have to make very critical decisions for our lives. Because the presence of God, it will help us get the decisions that we need. But we must be abiding in his presence, right? When we're abiding in God's presence, we can be confident that whatever it is we're facing, whatever decisions we have to make, regardless of whether it's just on a personal note for our families or for our ministries, for our church, God will give us direction. As New Testament believers, we don't have something as visible as the fire and the cloud, right? That's going to remind us of God's presence. So that's why more than ever, we have to remind ourselves. We have to remind ourselves that God's presence is with us. That's what practicing his presence looks like. But we also have help. And that help is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he helps us. So what we need to do is we definitely need to tap in and we need to recognize his voice. It tells us that in the word of God. In John, as a matter of fact, that his sheep, know his voice. Blessing number seven. Blessing number seven is healing. Healing. Malachi four and two. It says, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Hallelujah. Now, unfortunately, being a child of God does not exempt us from needing healing. Amen? <laughs> and healing can be required in several areas. It can be physically. We may need healing emotionally. Or we may need it spiritually. 
But it's a joy to know that that healing is available as we abide in the presence of God. Healing that is so powerful that it results in us leaping like calves from a stall. You see, leaps, leaps are like signs of freedom, right? Now, who doesn't want to be free? This healing is also so powerful that we end up having the power to trample down the wicked. You can trample on, you can't trample on anything if you're not free and if you're sick, right? So we want to be healed. We want to be divinely made whole by the presence of God so that we can be a part of what God is doing in the earth. We must be healed. We must be healed if we're going to move out in the power of Almighty God. Blessing number eight, strength and comfort. Psalm 23 and 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. The presence of God will be bring comfort in those times where you feel like there's no hope and no way out. You see, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when I hear that, what that implies to me is that you're in between a serious rock and a hard place. <laughs> but we know the true rock, right? We know the rock of our salvation. And he alone can provide us with all the hope and all the comfort that we will ever need. There are going to be times when you're going to need comfort. And what you're going to do is, instead of going to the rock, you're going to try to go to a person. It could be a spouse, it could be a relative, a coworker, a friend whoever, regardless of who that person is, they're not always going to be able to walk with you like God can. They're not going to be able to comfort you like God can. It's going to depend on where they are in their relationship with God. It may also depend on their personality and their temperament. Everybody just doesn't have that ability or that gifting. <clears throat> That's why we need to allow the presence of God to comfort us. Because when you think of that song that said, can't nobody do me like Jesus? It's true. Can't nobody do you like Jesus. Can't nobody comfort you like the Lord can. And so that's who we need to run to first. Not that God won't try to, you know, lead you to people. But that should be if he leads you to people. We should always, always go to God first. Hallelujah. Blessing number nine. Boldness. Boldness. Acts 4, 13. It says, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood 
that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and begun to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. More than ever today, Christians need to have boldness. We need boldness to stand up for what is right. We need to have boldness to stand up for what is noble, for what is true. We need to stand up for the way, the truth, and the light, which is Jesus. But this boldness must come from abiding in the presence of God. Because if it doesn't, again, your boldness will be rooted in fleshly actions. It's going to be rooted in your own thoughts, your own desires. And we know that when we act out of our flesh, it becomes very damaging. Not only is it damaging to us, it's damaging to others. It's damaging to the body of Christ at large. The boldness of God was powerful, so powerful here in these men, Peter and John, that because they weren't considered particularly educated or men of courage is what the uh, scripture implies, but when they moved out in boldness, the people could immediately tell that they had been with Jesus. And that's powerful. So I have a question for you. Who does your boldness say you've been hanging out with? Jesus or the world? Good question, right? Who does your boldness say you've been hanging out with? Blessing number 10. Powers and gifts. Power and gifts. The scripture we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. It reads, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines, or just as he wills. Now, I've been saved for a really long time, but I didn't always go to a church that operated in the gifts of the Spirit. But I cannot imagine right now being in a church that does not operate or move in the gifts of God. 
You see, when God makes something available to his people, it's always for a purpose. You know, God didn't do stuff just because, you know, he was bored and he needed, you know, he needed something else to do that particular day. <laughs> no, his gifts were made available to us for a purpose so that we can discover our gifts and move out in those gifts so that we can be a blessing to one another, a blessing to the body. So we have a responsibility we have a responsibility to serve the body of Christ. And the best way for us to do that is by finding out what our gifts are. Amen? And we have to be intentional about finding that right place of service. It is okay to, for maybe a season, to put your hands to something just so that you can be involved. But your goal should be, be in the right place doing the right thing so that you can be effective and fulfilled. That's how our ministries flourish. Amen? So it's time for us to stop sitting around, doing nothing, being spectators. We need to be participators. Hallelujah. So in closing, I want us to just be reminded of this. As we grow in our relationship with God, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone of our individual and our corporate temples, it should become natural for us to desire to first create an atmosphere of worship so that the Holy Spirit can be free to move in our lives on a consistent basis. Then you will really know how to appreciate the blessings of abiding in his presence. Day by day, hour by hour, and minute by minute, we should desire to abide in God's presence and embrace all of his blessings. The Holy Spirit can then speak to us. He can speak to our spirits, our inner man. That's where worship should begin. That's where worship should be initiated, in our inner man. And what I had said earlier in last week is when worship is initiated in our inner man, inner man, it causes our soul to feel it, and then our body acts it out. We want our worship and our praise to go to a new level. We want to go deeper. There's actually a song that we've been singing lately, and it's called Holy Spirit. That's the title, but you probably know it from the phrase, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But there's like a hook to that song that I just love. And it says, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of of your goodness. That's what I want. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. 
If you live in the DC, Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.